You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. You're examining a patient who has no shortness of breath, chest pain, or other symptoms of heart disease. The person's already taking statins, they've undergone other cardiac tests, which have revealed no heart problems. Does the condition of this patient and others who display few, if any, signs of heart trouble warrant a coronary CT scan? Our guest today is Dr. Mark Latke, professor of medicine and a professor of health research and policy at Stanford University School of Medicine. He also directs the Stanford Kaiser Cardiovascular Outcomes Research Center. Welcome, Dr. Latke. Thank you for having me. We want to learn more today about coronary CT angiography, but I think we ought to start with your description of the difference between coronary calcium scan and a CTA. Well, I think that's an important distinction to make, and basically it's a little confusing because the same machinery, the CT scanner, is used for both kinds of tests, but the coronary calcium test is done without contrast and you're just looking for a certain degree of calcification in the coronary arteries because one of the pathophysiologic features of coronary atherosclerosis is that there is this tendency towards microcalcifications in the artery itself as coronary disease develops. So that is a a sign of some underlying atherosclerosis, and you can actually put a number on the extent of coronary calcification, and the higher that number is, the more likely that it is that the patient has some amount of sub clinical atherosclerosis. By contrast, a coronary angiogram, the the CT coronary angiogram, looks at the coronary lumen after injection of contrast. In a CT angiogram, this is a venous contrast injection, not a a coronary, intracoronary injection of contrast like is done in a cardiac cath. But the point is that you still are looking for the lumen of the artery to see what degree of obstruction there is. And as as scanners become more and more accurate, we might even be able to see the actual atheroma within the wall itself. So the big thing to say about these is that right now, coronary calcium measurement is something that is done really in a person who's asymptomatic, looking at adding a little bit more information about their risk. This has been a somewhat controversial test because it's more expensive and it involves exposing the patient to radiation. But there is a lot of evidence that it provides some information about prognosis of that patient, and and there's some feeling that in someone who has intermediate risk and you're on the fence about whether to start a drug therapy like a statin or not, that the information may prove to be useful. By contrast, there's general consensus that a CT coronary angiogram is not appropriate in an asymptomatic individual where the coronary calcification measurements are, and vice versa. The coronary calcium measurement is less useful in a symptomatic patient than in an asymptomatic one. I think we'll just move into the populations that might benefit from CTA. I recognize that we're still somewhat limited in our evidence base, but it seems that the population of patients who might benefit from CT fall into two large groups, those that present to the emergency room with a symptom of chest pain and those that have a stable pattern of chest pain in an ambulatory arena, and maybe you could speak to the benefit of the test in each of those groups. Yes, I'd be happy to do that, and I think it's an important point to say that this test may have different value for different indications, and although we're talking about coronary disease in both cases, 
I think the clinical scenario is really quite different in the emergency department than it is in the office when someone comes in complaining of occasional limited chest pain. So if we're to take the emergency department situation first, I think that there, when, a, when a patient comes in complaining of chest pain in the emergency department and it sounds like it may be coronary in origin, the first thing we do is, is get an electrocardiogram and we also check for biomarkers like troponin levels. And everyone knows that many, many patients who come to the emergency department have a perfectly normal-looking electrocardiogram, and that first set of uh, biomarkers is normal. And people have a low suspicion that this is really a coronary problem. And those patients have proven to be, you know, a great dilemma for everyone. Right now, the standard of care is to continue to watch them for a while and get a second set of markers, and often they are evaluated with some kind of a further test to consider whether they have coronary disease or not. And that subset of patients might actually, considering the impaction in the emergency departments around the country, get admitted for that evaluation. Exactly. So many patients are admitted, and because the great fear is let's we're, we might send somebody home who's having an MI or has an acute coronary syndrome that really needs therapy. So everyone's very fearful of missing someone who has a real ongoing coronary problem, and we know that mixed in with that is a lot of people with nonspecific chest pain. And the proposal here is to use a CT angiogram to help do that triage, that if someone goes and gets a CT angiogram and it's just completely normal, that the hypothesis is that that person is very unlikely to have an ongoing coronary disease problem, and it would be safe to just send them home and not do anything further. Whereas if they had some degree of obstruction on the CT angiogram, that further tests might be warranted, including you know, admission or other additional workup. Now, this is a case where there's actually been a randomized trial. Investigators in Michigan randomized patients to get either a CTA who had this scenario where they had nonspecific chest pain and no evidence of EKG changes or initial biomarker abnormalities, and randomize them to either get a CTA or to get their usual standard of care chest pain algorithm, which included stress testing. And what they found was that a lot of people on a CTA had a completely normal angiogram, and they went home very quickly afterwards, and they spent less time in the emergency department than people who were randomized to the standard of care. And I think that was a very interesting observation. The fact of the matter is, though, that these people were so low risk that not a single person in either group had an MI or any adverse event, either during the acute stage of observation or, or over subsequent follow-up for the next month or so. So it was an interesting and provocative study, but not big enough to say, you know, with utter certainty that it's safe to send somebody home who has a, a CT angiogram that looks good, but it's very suggestive. Some suggestion, though, that the selection process might have been conservative. Yes, I, I think that the investigators were very careful in this instance, and, and they really did take people who had, by history, which is, of course, the cornerstone of everything we do, taking a good, solid history about of that person. And, you know, the EKG and the initial biomarkers were all indicative of a pretty low-risk patient. And these were the kind of individuals who were, were studied in this trial. And there have been a couple of other studies, and I think there's ongoing studies that are looking at this, at this scenario. And the interesting thing to me is that the focus is on outcomes. So I, I think that we're actually getting some good information about what other tests get done for these people and then what happens to them in terms of developing other cardiac events. 
I'll mention that in the randomized trial that I mentioned of a few hundred people, one of the interesting results was that actually many, many more people in the group that went to a CT angiogram ultimately went on to get an angioplasty or bypass surgery than the people who were randomized to an exercise test, standard of care. And this has not been commented on much by people who've looked at this study, but I think it's a provocative observation because I think there is this this tendency that when we do see an abnormality, that we want to go ahead and fix it. And that's one of the things that we're needing to monitor about CTA is to say if it proves to be completely normal, that's lovely, and we can feel very confident that it's pretty low risk for that patient. But if we do see something, that doesn't necessarily prove that's the cause of the patient's problem. And we may need to do something further, but we we all feel when we see that obstruction that maybe we need to, to fix it. Well, certainly those of you in primary care may not be as familiar with this as those in cardiology, but that is what Mark's describing is the oculostenotic reflex, unfortunately. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright. Our guest today is Dr. Mark Latke, professor of medicine and a professor of health research and policy at Stanford University School of Medicine. We're discussing current and future applications of CT and geography. Mark, you were telling us about a patient's emergency room and how he or she might be evaluated. We might mention that CTA has a role in the so-called triple rule-out. That would be pulmonary embolus or dissection or acute infarct. Anything you'd like to say about the use of it in that way? I am not an expert in terms of the imaging technical features, but what I am told is that, in fact, you know, the, the way that you do the test for each one of those vascular beds is slightly different in terms of the, you know, the way that you inject the dye, when you do take the pictures, and what area you scan. So the, although in theory it sounds good, like you, know, you get buy one, get two free, if you're looking at the coronaries, you can get the pulmonary arteries and the aorta at the same time. In practice, you, know, you don't necessarily get as clear a picture if you're focusing on one than if you're focusing on the other. And so I, I think that some of my radiologist colleagues have been, you know, thinking that this is, although it's, it, it, in theory it's a great thing, in, in practice, if you're really wanting to do a triple rollout, there may be, you have to do the scan in a different way, and you may, may not get as clear information about all the beds that way. Well, and it's disturbing to me as a clinician to think that the clinical history couldn't help differentiate a little at least contribute to the differential diagnosis of those three. There's an overlap, no doubt, but there's still also some key history features that might sway you in one direction more than another. I couldn't agree with you more uh, to say that, you know, I think it's unlikely that we think that each one of those things is equally probable in a single individual, that, you know, we should be able to focus a little bit more on one or the other by careful history and a physical examination, you know, looking at the legs or, you know, the pulses and so on and the chest x-ray as well. So I, I think all of those things will help us, would help focus you in one area or the other. But I, I do think that in many ways, I think this is the most promising application of CT angiograms. I'm fairly convinced that it is more efficient in the emergency department, that we can have patients move through more quickly. My concern only on this is to say we really need to see more studies done. We only have a few hundred people who've been evaluated in this way and followed and and written up in the literature. And we need larger sample sizes to be sure to say, well, you know, when this patient's sent home, is it safe? I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, we sent home 30 patients and nothing bad happened. 
you don't have as much confidence in that statement as to say, you know, we sent home 3,000 patients and nothing bad happened. So I, I think that we really need to have a little bit more experience to be totally confident about saying, you know, you don't have to worry about this when you get sent home. So I, I think that that's one aspect of it. And the other one is, you know, will we be pushed down the road towards more revascularization procedures because we just see the picture, we respond to the picture, and we want to fix it in a way that wouldn't happen if we just got a stress test. Let's move out of the emergency room and into the office and speak to us about the use of this test in someone who has chest pain and perhaps even known coronary artery disease. Well, I I think that, again, the foundation for what we do here in the office is, is, first of all, a very careful history of what kind of chest pain is it? How typical is that chest pain of coronary disease? Is it typical angina or is it atypical or sound completely non-anginal? The hallmarks of angina are chest pain that comes on with exertion, goes away with rest, and is inappropriately located for it to be consistent with the origin in the heart. And in a patient who has that, if they're a 60-year-old male with cardiac risk factors, you know, our pretest probability is that that's a pretty high chance that this is due to coronary disease. Whereas someone who doesn't have all of those features, maybe is you know a 30-year-old woman, our chances that this is coronary disease is very low if the pain comes on in a different pattern. So I think that the, f- the first thing to do is to say, what's the pretest probability that a patient has disease? And for patients in whom it's, it's low to intermediate in risk, I think is where you know, we might be looking at a diagnostic test where you might consider a CT angiogram or a stress test. And they really give you different kinds of information. The angiogram gives you anatomic information, and the stress test gives you functional information about that patient's disease. I personally have always favored the stress test because I think the functional information is important. I'd be very concerned that, you know, you take just about anybody who's of a certain age with a certain number of risk factors, and with a sensitive test, we're likely to see some amount of coronary atherosclerosis because we know it's ubiquitous. We know it develops over many years. So the fact that we see it doesn't necessarily prove that it's the cause of the patient's problem. And for that reason, I think that the functional test is actually very helpful. And it gives, also gives us prognostic information, both from the evidence of ischemia and from how much exercise capacity the patient has. We've been talking about current and future applications for CT angiography with Dr. Mark Latke. Thank you so much, Dr. Latke, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.